Hagram from Preparing Kids for Life at PK4L.com. And this podcast is for all things parenting. This is day 13 of our 365-day journey with you. You know, my wife and I, we are so passionate about helping parents reclaim their rightful place as the number one expert on their own kids. And so we talk about the principles any parent can learn and apply to help their children discover truly the best version of themselves. So we answer and dig into every parent's most basic fears, things like, I don't have what it takes to be a good parent. I'm not qualified. I'm going to mess my kids up. And remember, our ceiling is our children's floor. We want them to go beyond where we were. And we can if we have the right tools. So for the next 365 days, we're inviting you into the experiment and we are going to walk alongside your journey as your personal outfitters, guides, and allies every day, every step of the way. You know, I'm really kind of excited to to move out of where we've been. The previous podcast talked about just identifying where some of these damaging lessons came from. And sadly, Uh, A lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them came from the education that we received. And so we talked through that. We called them the hidden lessons, right? The lessons you had no idea you were learning in school. But we didn't want to leave you there because then you also need to talk about, well, what do you do about those, right? So then we kind of walked through this process of de-schooling our minds. And by the way, it is a process. It's not something that's just going to kind of happen overnight, but the, the next part is one that I'm really excited about because that's where we start talking about, okay, well, here is what you replace the bad with. Those damaging lessons that we absorbed, here's what should have been put there in the first place. And I just want to share at the outset, you know, these are, these are time-tested principles. The, the five things I'm going to share with you are, are not on trial. They have been proven to work year after year after year it wasn't you know it wasn't one of those situations where oh i was backpacking through the machu picchu and and i just stumbled across this ancient trove of wisdom and then this is what I, no it's nothing like that these are these are time tested principles that i'm i'm going to share with you and you know one of the things that i i really it's very um profound but also very sobering is something that frederick douglass said who's an amazing american incredible incredible man But he said, it's easier to build strong boys than it is to repair broken men. And so how we are preparing our children for life is truly of the utmost importance because education really is discipleship. And discipleship is not something to be done by default. It requires a thoughtful, purposeful, and yes, intentional focus. You know, Luke 6.40 frames the matter this way. It says, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. So we talked about in earlier episodes just how limited our window of time is. right? So we have to be very careful. This is why it's so essential to be the gatekeepers of our children's lives, to, to be focused on what we're allowing in, right? Because we have a limited window. And the development of our children's character, their virtue, passion, and talent, it's never going to happen by default. And so part of what we think about in this process is just think about 
this, the seeds you're sowing into your children are going to produce fruit no matter what. It's just a matter of will it be the fruit you want, right? So as I mentioned before, after we identify the lessons we never knew we learned in school, after we discover how to begin the process of de-schooling ourselves from these lessons, the next step is to replace those lessons with the right ones and then teach them to our children. You know, if you, if you look back on your experiences, some of us are fortunate enough to remember with great fondness an inspiring mentor who changed the direction of our lives. Maybe it was a teacher, a coach, a tutor, or even mom and dad. But here's the thing. Being a great mentor does not require, does not require formal accreditation at all, period. It just simply requires the heart to apply time-tested lessons in guiding someone into their fullest potential. And honestly, God has equipped and empowered you to be your child's greatest and most influential mentor because he believes you can do it better than anyone else. But do you believe that? You know, the the first key that, that we'll take a look at is envision, envision. And I'll explain what I mean by that in a moment. Because before we begin to walk the path of success, you have to start by being clear on what that path looks like for your children to get there, right? Um, and I'm just going to kind of go through some various ideas of, of success, right? Success is, you know, and these are just things I've, I've heard people say about success. I'm not saying I agree with any of them or all of them or some of them. I'm just putting them out there to consider, right? But they'll say, success is getting what you want. Happiness is wanting what you get. Success is knowing you tried your best. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Success is going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. Success is to laugh often and much, to win the respect of intelligent people and the affections of children, to earn the appreciation of honest critics and endure the betrayal of false friends, to appreciate beauty, to find the best in others, to leave the world a bit better, whether by a healthy child, a garden patch, or redeemed social condition, to know that even one life has breathed easier because you have lived. This is to have succeeded. Success is helping my child love God, others, and themselves, and to embrace the purpose for which they were created. Success is an optimist in thought and a pessimist in action. Again, I mean, I could go on. I mean, there are lots of people have said lots of things about how success is measured and quantified. And so the point here is not to choose from one of those that I mentioned above. Uh, it's just it's just simply to clarify and personalize your own definition of success. In other words, set aside some time and really ponder it. Like, what does that mean for my child, right? Because you can't even start to walk on the path unless you know what the path looks like, right? I mean, that's just naturally where we all have to start. And so this idea, right, this, this first key of, of mentorship, which we're calling Envision, is really, it's being able to see past what you see in front of you. 
Because see, the thing is, is you're not just looking at the child in front of you, right? You you have to be uh, have an honest assessment of where they are in order to help them get to where they need to go. But what you also need to do is really see what they can become. And this is where it's so essential. Please never use the eyes of the school system to evaluate the talents of your child. Because we've touched on this before, but schools only focus on a very narrow definition of what, quote, talent is. And basically, they simply marginalize or ignore the rest that doesn't fall neatly into their specific category. And here's the thing, since talent is seldom, if, if ever, found conveniently lying around in plain sight, schools never discover it because it's usually buried and it requires time, it requires patience and effort to uncover it. So here's some things you can do to really embrace this concept of envision in your parenting. Watch your children closely for what sparks their interest. Take careful note of the things they delight in. And then when you discover something, help them begin drilling down into the specific components that complement that talent or passion, right? And as you begin to envision their potential, you, you look at what they can become, you start to help them reverse engineer each of the steps required to fulfill that design God has placed upon their lives. Because when you're, when you're, in order, I should say, to move on to success, a mentor is, a successful mentor is really envisioning the best in their student. And the beauty of this is once the belief is instilled into the student, they themselves then become increasingly inspired to emulate the mentor's virtues while striving to become the best possible version of themselves. It's an amazing amazing process to watch. And so I just, I, I can't encourage you enough to, to really just kind of dig into that. All right, that's key number one. Key number two is encourage. Encourage. See, the, the thing we have to really ask ourselves is, are we asking for just enough or just your best? See, encouragement is not a reward for just showing up or participating, right? Because our efforts actually have real-world consequences. You know, I don't know if you remember a swimmer by the name of Michael Phelps. He's the most decorated Olympian in, in, well, Olympic history. But the 2008 Summer Olympic Games, he wins the 100-meter butterfly by one one-hundredth of a second. That's all that separated the gold and silver medals in that race. What if Phelps thought excellent meant just enough instead of just your best? Because see, contrary to popular opinion, there are no participant ribbons in real life. Now, I'll admit there is a balance, right, between a desire for excellence and neurotic perfectionism, okay? But we need to start just focusing on just your best. See, true encouragement builds real self-esteem because our children are actually much brighter than they're often given credit for. 
And so children will take in false encouragement. Well, we're encouraging them thinking we're building their self-esteem, but it's really false encouragement. And so children take that false encouragement in one of two ways. They think, okay, even though you know the quality of my work is terrible, you insist on telling me it's awesome. That means you're a liar and can't be trusted. Or even though the quality of my work is terrible, you actually think that it's awesome, in which case you are stupid and cannot be respected. See, and the thing is, is that real encouragement comes from reminding the student of the talents or skills they already possess. You don't manufacture something, you focus on what they have and bring that up for praise. You cast a vision for what they can achieve through diligence and excellence of effort. See, self-esteem is based on actual accomplishment. It doesn't rely on these weird artificial standards of feel-goodism. Because see, the thing is, is true self-satisfaction is impossible without diligence and excellence. It really is. And so the two most important questions you can ask your child as they go through this process, they're very simple. Did you do your best? And secondly, if you can do better, should you? You know, I used to do that in my in my classroom and I would just simply ask my students that. I, I, didn't, I didn't belittle them. I didn't, uh, you know, criticize them in front of, I, I didn't do that. I just didn't. And the reason I didn't is because it is counterproductive as well as disrespectful and dishonoring to them. It's not something that you need to do. I would, however, though, say, did you do your best? And you know, honestly, once kids know you care, it's amazing how honest they start getting. I mean, if they think you're just kind of playing around, you know, I'm just, I'll just kind of put this in terms for my teaching experience. You know, if, if your kids think you're just there picking up a paycheck and, you know, you like having summers off and like having a spring break and yada, 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 then, you know, yeah, they, they don't, they don't give you much respect. They don't really pay much attention to you. But if kids know that you're there because you care about them, then, you know, it's amazing how honest they are about stuff. It really is. And so if you ask them, hey, did you do your best on this? They're like, no. And of course, you know, <laughs> over the course of the school year, like, so if you can do better, should you? Yes, Mr. Hagenor. You know, <laughs> like this thing. But they knew. And it was, it was cool because they knew that I just wanted to get the best out of them. You know, that's all. I wasn't there to make them feel bad about themselves. And I wasn't there to pump them up full of sunshine and fake self-esteem either. I was there to help them become and be their best. That's what I wanted. And you know, this is, this is something I think is actually pretty encouraging because see, everyone is blessed with different gifts. You know, for example, I love playing soccer, but I didn't find soccer until much later in life. And so as a result... I'm not very good, but man, I love the game. I mean, love, love, love the game. Biggest regret in life is that I didn't fall in love with soccer earlier, and then I could have started out in AYSO and youth leagues and high school and maybe college if I was good enough. But you know, I mean, I would have, I would have totally pursued that instead of the path that I did. But anyways, the point is, the point is, is that 
um, everyone has different gifts. You know, we all have different gifts. We all have different passions. And it'd be kind of silly for me to try to get and become a professional soccer player at my age and skill level. It's just not going to happen. Um, but these different gifts, well, those are, those are unique. However, two things are available to everyone. And I'm going to suggest to you that these two things are arguably the most powerful gifts of them all. And those two gifts are persistence and determination. No matter what, quote, gifts we have or don't have, whatever talents we have or don't have, or to whatever degree we have them or don't have them, none of that matters in the face of persistence and determination. And everyone, everyone has access to that. That's something that every single person can get a piece of. So the exercise of these gifts is entirely up to you. There's a quote from Calvin Coolidge. He was the 30th president of the United States. I, I love his quote on, on it. It's just, it's just amazing. He says, nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. Now, the Bible might frame the, the idea and purpose of persistence in this way in Colossians 3.22. And don't just do the minimum that will get you by. Do your best. Work from the heart for your real master, for God confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. See, the interesting thing is that when you, whatever you praise, you get more of, right? Um, that which is rewarded gets repeated. Okay? So if we focus, instead of, instead of praising our, our kids the way that we have been told by the fake self-esteem experts, and what a disaster that's turned into, right? The entitlement generation, but if we focus on praising our children's efforts, not their results, then what you do is now you're inspiring your student to give their best and not just enough. You're also reinforcing the value of excellence of effort as the primary objective. Remember, whatever you praise becomes valued. Whatever you reward gets repeated. So that's why it's so critical. On the other hand, and we, again, we have done this with the very best of intentions, with the very best of intentions. We praise our kids for being, quote, smart. Oh, he's so smart. Oh, she's so smart. Oh, yeah. And again, we, we have the very best intentions here. This is not, you know, this is not being done because we're trying to ruin our kids, you know. We're, we're trying, we want to help them. We love our kids. We'll do anything for them. But here's what happens when you, Praise children for being, quote, smart. And this is, again, something I have seen for 14 years teaching, okay? When you praise them for being smart, you got two possible outcomes. The student will believe that they are so, quote, smart that they don't have to put forth any effort anymore because, hey, I'm smart. I don't, I don't have to try. I mean, I'm, just, I'm smart. I don't need to try or do anything. I don't need to do the work. I'm smart. Or 
The student will be tempted to lie, cheat, and steal to get the, quote, score that wins your praise and maintains their status as being smart. And that's because they truly believe their best is not actually good enough. You know, the interesting thing, I, I used to sort of joke about it, but I, I taught AP U.S. history for a number of years, and it was like, yeah, they were the only students that cared enough to cheat. <laughs> and it was kind of a weird irony. I mean, here, you know, these are the kids that are supposed to be the quote-unquote cream of the crop, although I'm not, again, I think if you have been listening to this podcast for very long, you know I'm not uh, a subscriber to labels. I hate them. But the thing is, is that uh, they they would. And, and my other students, cheating was almost never a problem. All of the instances of cheating that I had were from honors or AP students. They weren't from my other students. And it was interesting because, again, they had this this almost like this status that they were trying to maintain. It wasn't about really learning for them. It was about the status of the grade and the class rank and the possible school that might get them enrolled into. And that's just not, that's not the way that you want to go. So these two, these two keys, these two keys, right? Envision and encourage. Right. This is these are the kinds of things that you want to start really embedding and implanting. It it's, may sound very simple. And and that's because it is. It's very simple. Now it's not easy. Again, that's a phrase I love saying a lot because it's so true. These principles are really simple. There's nothing complicated about them. But I will never <laughs> I will never describe them as easy ever <laughs> just because they're not, right? But if you can focus on this just the, the, you know, the ideas of envision and encourage and what that means, that would be huge because, see, these are the good seeds that are going to produce good fruit down the road. So I just want to, again, thank you so much for listening. I know there are a lot of podcasts out there and you could be listening to them and you chose to listen to ours. We'll be always grateful for that. Please check out our website, pk4l.com for more resources and please click on the link in the show description and download your free ebook, Building an Emotionally Safe Home as Our Gift to you. Remember, we are with you every day, every step of the way. And until tomorrow, have a great day.